Please bless everyone in the final weeks of school and help the new people transition into their leadership roles at Wesley. Also bless the teachers during these times as well. Whatever burdens that we may be holding on to tonight, I pray that we lay them at your feet. I ask that you open your eyes, ears, and hearts tonight so that we may receive you. We thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I'm going to be reading our scripture for tonight. Um, it's two passages. Um, first, uh, if you want to turn to Luke 11, uh, the first verse. Uh, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And then continuing that story in Matthew 6, 5 through 13. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is, all the, that is all everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all forward they will get. For when you pray, go away. Ooh, sorry. For when you pray, go away to yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Thanks, Kelly. So do you ever hear the Lord's Prayer and just kind of think, like, come on, Jesus, that's just so basic? Um which is the whole point. But tonight we're wrapping up um, four weeks on the awakened life with a borrowed prayer request that shows up in, in Luke 11.1. 1. This uh, one of Jesus' followers said, hey, we want, we want to learn how to pray like John's teaching his disciples. So they, they just simply said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, basically, I thought you'd never ask. And he picked up it there in Matthew 6 as... Um, description of it, and, uh, and just gives us some, some great handles to, to hold on to. The Lord's Prayer, it turns out, is, is, it, it is so basic, and it is elementary, but it is the most profound prayer in the Bible. Hey, don't miss the fact that, that this prayer came from the mind of Christ through the lips of Jesus onto the pages of the Bible. Um, we could stop right there and just go home and pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, prayer that stirs awakening, prayer that would receive what God would pour out at any given time, has three basic characteristics. One, it's, it's, it's centered on God, it's honest about me, and, and third, it's open to whatever God would do. It centers on God, it's honest about me, and it's open to whatever God would choose to do. 
Um, Corey Ten Boom, a hero from last century, survivor of the Holocaust, uh, rescuer of Jews, um, has, has this quote about prayer. What wings are to birds and sails are to ships, so prayer is to the soul. What wings are to a bird and what sails are to a ship, so prayer is to the soul. So, uh, so this is the time of spreading our wings and hoisting our sails and um, learning something about prayer from the Master himself. Um, not quite the Master himself, but another um, prayer expert is a guy named Pete Gregg. Um, check out what Pete Gregg has to say. He says, your prayer life is at its best not when you're praying about big things occasionally, but when you're praying about small things continually. At its best, prayer is a living conversation with God. And check this out. Uh, he said, before there was any sin or suffering in the world, there was prayer. Um, we're told that Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the cool of the evening. So you see, prayer isn't meant to be just a solution to our problems. I mean, it is that. It does help with, with that. But in the beginning, prayer was the satisfaction of our relationship and our intimacy with God. Prayer was the way we had satisfaction and intimacy with, with God. That was the primary first purpose of prayer. So Jesus responds to that prayer request, teach us to pray. He responds with 62 words, if you're counting in the NLT, to motivate us uh, and to inspire us to get caught in the, the updraft of Jesus' prayer, to get caught up in Jesus' relationship with God. That's what he's inviting us to do by praying this prayer that he gives us to pray. So when they said, Jesus, teach us to pray, he said, Matthew 6, pray like this. Matthew 6, 9, pray like this. And let me give you seven words that outline the whole Lord's Prayer as we get started. The seven words are intimacy, adoration, surrender, request, uh, confession, protection, and then wow. Let's read the Lord's Prayer in, with, with those outlined points. As far as intimacy goes, our Father, and then the adoration, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The surrender, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The request, give us today the food we need. The confession, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Protection, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us. From the evil one. And, and the wow, for yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever. Which, by the way, Jesus didn't say. The early church added that kind of because there was just this sense that they just wanted the prayer to keep going, I think. So they added this little short doxology onto the end. They actually ripped that off of David over in, in First Chronicles. It's a prayer of David that they borrowed and, and added on to the end of, of the Lord's Prayer. But these seven aspects of the Lord's Prayer help us to understand the prayer that Jesus gave us to pray, but they also help us to pray on our own and in, in other ways. So let's talk through these, these seven. First, intimacy. Intimacy is seen in the two words, our Father. Intimacy is first seen just in the word our. That's a, that, that, that's a, a communal word. To, to, to start the prayer with our uh, emphasizes our connection with others as we pray this prayer and as we pray any prayer. Do you know that even when you're alone, you're, you're, you're not praying alone? Even when you're praying alone, you're not praying alone. 
Because somewhere in the world at any given time, there are enough Christians, and I'm pretty sure that at any given time, somewhere in the world, somebody else is praying the Lord's Prayer. And they also are saying, Our Father, just as you're saying, Our Father. And you may have a prayer partner on the other side of the world who's praying Our Father together with you at the same time, the communal nature of, of prayer, this prayer that Jesus gave us. It's what he had in mind. But he also had in mind just, the, just an utter intimacy with, with God. Um, now, when he said our father, uh, the, the, the term for a male parent here is not assigning masculinity or gender to, to God. It's about a deep uh, familial connection, uh, a loving intimacy with, with God. And this Jesus-based intimacy with God, I mean, understand that. This is, this is Jesus' intimacy with God that he's inviting us into. This Jesus-based intimacy with God springs out of uh, truth like 1 John, uh, John 1.12, not 1 John, Gospel of John 1.12, 1, um, where it just says the simple truth that to all who believe and receive Jesus, He gave the right to become children of God. The, the very first step to intimacy with God and to, to prayer itself is the, a, a relationship with God with God through Jesus by believing and receiving. And it's just that simple that you become a child of God through Jesus in that way. That's the place where prayer starts. That's the place where intimacy with God begins. And then prayer just continues. Our Father, it begins by marinating in what it means and looks like to have a good Father. So with that startup, Our Father... It's not a throwaway line. It's not just like Jesus kind of getting started thinking about what he really wanted to say. With our Father, Jesus welcomes us into the very intimacy that he enjoys with God. And then in that place of intimacy, you can talk about anything with God. Our Father, good place to start. Second aspect is, is adoration. Adoration, just uh, expressing uh, love, expressing uh, amazement, expressing wonder. Our, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy and may your kingdom come. And this part of the prayer keys on two, um, two attributes of God and two identities of God. The attributes, holy and, and, and heavenly. Um, to say, hallowed be your name, the way a lot of versions will say it, to say, hallowed be your name, um, means that, that, that God, you should be known. You, you should be widely known as holy because that is exactly what you are, holy. It, to say hallowed be your name includes kind of three statements. One is, is, is a statement that would say like, God, you are holy. That's just a declaration of what we know to be the truth about God, a declaration, you are holy. A second part of hallowed be your name is that you are holy to me. That I'm, I'm taking it personally that you are holy God. And, and then a, a, a third way we understand hallowed be your name is a proclamation that, that everyone needs to know the holy truth about you, God. It's, it's true, it's real, it's, it's, it's real and true to me. And everybody should know this. That's what, we, that's what we're getting at when we pray hallowed be your name in adoration to God. Um, and if we dare to declare and confess and proclaim 
the holiness of God, then, then we're saying to God, you know, God, there is a really big difference between you and me, and that's really a good thing because I need you to be wholly different from me. And he is. And that leads us to this point of adoration. The, the other attribute, they're heavenly. Our Father in heaven um, this doesn't mean that God is separated, far and away, distant, and removed from us. Uh, to say that God is our Heavenly Father is to say that God is transcendent. He's, he's different from us. He's other than us. He's on a different plane from, from us. And when you put together the intimacy that we know with God our Father through Jesus and the transcendence of of, of God, that is a crazy combination. And, 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 and in some ways it may seem kind of incongruent that God could at the same time be intimate with us and transcendent beyond us. But it is the reality, it is the truth of God. And, and, and it actually uh, is not incongruent, but it actually just explodes the possibilities. When you put together intimacy with the transcendent God, y'all, that is some, that is some deep, true goodness. And that is what we have, and that leads us to adoration to God, our holy, heavenly Father and King. Father and King, those are the two roles that, that show up. Hey, what a difference it makes when you're praying to know that you're talking to your holy, heavenly Father, who, like, oh, by the way, happens to be the King of everything. Remember who you're talking to. It's as if Jesus, in getting this prayer off the ground, is saying that the starting place is to realize that you have intimacy with the transcendent God who, is, who comes to you. Holy, heavenly, Father, and King. Third part of the prayer is surrender. The part of the prayer that gets into, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, if, if he's a king, then he has a kingdom. And he is a king, and he does have a kingdom. And this prayer, this line in this prayer aligns us with the way of God's kingdom. And it helps us to focus our seeking of God's kingdom here on earth. So this prayer prays a bold vision in which every square inch of earthly turf becomes the kingdom of God. Hey, if you share that vision, pray it. If you don't understand or aren't on board with that vision yet, give it a try, pray it anyway, and just watch because His kingdom is the coming reality for every square inch of earthly turf. But it's a costly thing to pray because when you pray your kingdom come, your will be done, you're surrendering your own will, your own kingdom not to come, and your own will not to be done. This is a, a radical sacrifice to pray this line of the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's a radical sacrifice um, of my concerns in preference for those of God's kingdom. And Jesus didn't just tell us to pray this. Jesus lived this and Jesus prayed it when it mattered most. On the last night of his life, he prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done. The way he said it that night was, not my will, but yours be done. Surrender. Third part of the prayer is the request. Um, 
You know, so many times when we, um, when we get inspired to pray, it's because we need something. So we're always like jumping to number four. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's usually our starting point for, for prayer. It's like, you know, we'll, uh, we'll kind of spread a little butter on the bread and then we'll get on to what it is that we're, we're there for. Um, but uh, let this prayer walk you through uh, enjoying the intimacy and those moments of adoration and then your personal surrender on the way to saying, yes, God, I am here because I have needs. And he wants us to show up in prayer with our needs. Give us today the food we need, but we're talking about so much more than food. Yes, we're talking about food. We're talking about daily needs, everything that we are dependent on and that we receive from the goodness of God, our creator. At the heart of this part of the prayer is asking for what we need from a posture of humble um, dependence. This is trusting God to come through for me, for you, for you, for me, for whatever the need is. When I think about my own needs, uh, um, daily bread is food. Um, daily bread is anything uh, that, that has me dependent on my Creator. And if we're honest, and if we look past um, our small little kingdoms, we realize that we are utterly dependent on God for everything. When I look at my needs um, beyond food, there are plenty of other needs that I need to be humble and honest about as I come before God. And as I think about other people, situations in the world and people that I know and am concerned about, uh, there's enough concern to keep us busy in prayer for a, for a long, long time. Uh, this is where we bring before God our request for people who, who need food. Um, our concerns for people who need healing. Uh, your concerns for classmates who are just scrapping and struggling through the end of the semester. Your concern for yourself as you're scrapping and struggling through the end of the semester. Bring needs for healing. Bring needs for help. Bring needs for empowering and, and, and pray for the thing we all need the most, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit to fill us up and enliven us. Bottom line here is that all our needs are met in, in God, and that's a good way to paraphrase this part of the prayer, that all I need is met in you, so here I am bringing all that I need. And then the prayer moves on to confession. Um, I heard somebody comment that it's funny that, that confession and daily bread are like right next door neighbors in the prayer because confession is pretty much a daily bread issue for us. Um, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who, who sin against us. Hey, let me encourage you to not reduce this part of the prayer to a, um, a checklist of your slip-ups. <laughs> um, yeah, it is that too. And go ahead and be specific. Um, Try not to pray. I mean, I mean, God's not greatly offended by this, but try, try to get more specific than forgive us of all our many sins. I mean, yes, there, there are many. Um, but when it comes to confession, go as specific as you, as you can. But do try not to just reduce this part of the prayer to a checklist of, um, of your confessions. Make this into a, a blessed or, the, or those who mourn moment. Make this into a blessed or the poor in spirit moment uh, in which we grieve that we are broken, 
and that it is our tendency to sin against God and against others and, and even against ourselves. And if you look on down Matthew 6, 14 and 15, Jesus kind of tags on. It's like this is the only part of the prayer that gets any extra attention from Jesus right here in context. Uh, the rest of it, I think Jesus is saying this is all pretty self-explanatory, but I would expect you to have questions. It's kind of like the lecture when the professor does the lecture, but then circles back to the thing that, that, that he or she's pretty sure y'all didn't get. And that's kind of what Jesus is doing in 14 and in 15. He's circling back to the thing that was probably the hardest pill to swallow in the prayer. That if you forgive those who sin against you, your, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you refuse to forgive, uh, your, your Father will not forgive your sins. Um, strong words, but, but real words. Fact is that God forgives and calls us to forgive. The forgiveness that we receive is the forgiveness that we're to give. Forgiveness received and given opens the pathway of prayer. That's why it's there. The prayer moves on to a prayer for protection. Don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's a a prayer for our faithfulness in hard things. Hey, let's be clear about something. That, that God doesn't tempt us. So this, this whole thing about lead us not into temptation, as it's traditionally phrased, it's not about God like tempting us or His tendency is to tempt us. That's not the case at all. But reality is that God doesn't spare us from every hard thing. I mean, you know that. You've experienced that. So we pray for strength to be faithful. Lead us out of temptation. Lead us to faithfulness in the face of our temptations. And then rescue us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. Um, so much more could be said about spiritual warfare here, but here are a couple of key points. Um, hey guys, Jesus has already won. You are secure in Christ. Know that. That's the starting place. Um, Satan, evil, is defeated, but still present and active until the kingdom comes in its, in its fullness. So in the meantime, deliver us from evil, rescue us from evil. It's basic spiritual warfare resting on Jesus' authority. Uh, N.T. Wright says this about that, that to pray, deliver us from evil is to inhale the victory of the cross. Love that. To pray, deliver us from evil, is to inhale the victory of the cross and thereby to hold the line for another moment, another hour, another day against the forces of destruction within ourselves and the world. Guys, when you pray this prayer, you inhale the victory of Jesus on the cross. Don't let us yield to temptation. Deliver us from evil. We're... we're, we're confessing we're admitting our vulnerability and laying ourselves at the mercy of God who loves to answer that prayer. And then the prayer ends just with a rousing wow for, uh, for, for the kingdom and the power and the glory. They're, they're yours, God, forever and ever. Um, from 1 Chronicles 29, 11, uh, part of a prayer of David there. The early church borrowed it because it just made sense to to wrap up this prayer in that way. Uh, I, I love this, this ending because it, it, 
It helps us as we wrap up prayer to remember who God is and to remember who, who I am and how I relate to such a wonderful God. That, that if God's is a kingdom, then, then my role there is loyalty and allegiance to the king. If God's is the power, then my role, my response is to trust. And if God's is the glory, then my response is to give him all the honor that I have to give. An outline that takes us from intimacy to adoration to surrender to request to confession to protection to wow. When they said, hey Jesus, how should we pray? He said, try this. Um, so on the, on the back side of your handout, there's just some, um, hopefully some helps that, that, that might help you to um, pray the Lord's Prayer, to make the most of it, to experience the, the reality of it in, in, uh, in your spiritual life. So uh, some how to pray. Um, just spend a few minutes talking about um, how to pray like Jesus intended for us to pray. First, can I, um, let me say this carefully because I don't want to offend anybody's grandparents or, or, or even you, but um, I would encourage you to lose the archaic language when you pray. Pet peeve in modern church is that we can't get off the archaic language when we're doing creeds and other liturgy. Um, so unless you're in a Shakespeare play, lose the archaic language. Talk to God like you talk to a friend. And, and if you're not comfortable talking to God like you talk to a friend, then maybe you need to tweak the way you talk to your friend because God wants you to talk to him the way you talk to a friend. See Exodus 33, 11. So there's inherent danger to praying an ancient liturgical prayer like the Lord's Prayer or, or some other. And, and part of the danger is that it just gets reduced to like rote mechanical memory. And you just kind of like you could say it in your sleep. You probably could say the Lord's Prayer in your sleep. But um, and it, it's, it's not, I mean, it's good for sleep, I, I suppose. But, uh, but it's not the best way to pray. Um, or sometimes, you know, you can treat uh, a revered prayer like magic words. Now, these aren't magic words that you just say over your life and everything. But they are powerful words. They are spirit words. They are true words that, that make an impact. Uh, or sometimes we run the, ranger, uh, the, the danger with a, an ancient liturgical prayer of just considering it to be like um, dead religion. And uh, we don't want to do that. We just want to pray something fresh and new. Hey, it doesn't get any fresher and newer than what came out of the mind of Christ through the lips of Jesus on the page of the Bible. Um, but then the value of an ancient liturgical prayer. Um, hey, check this out, that when we repeat this faithful, fixed prayer, when we repeat this prayer, several thousand years of faith begin to shape us and, and even pray through us. Incredible value in, in, in owning, claiming as your own this, these ancient words of, of Jesus. Um, so try praying the Lord's Prayer um, maybe uh, once a day, or if you're ambitious, maybe do it three times a day. You could pick like three different times, morning, midday, nighttime, set an alarm on your phone when, when it goes off, kind of slip away. You can pray the Lord's Prayer at a meaningful pace in 26 seconds. Um, and that's like praying it slowly enough to know what you're saying, know what you're praying. 26 seconds, three times a day. I recommend it. Or, or at least just pick one time a day and uh, and 
and pray and pray the prayer. Hey, and if you can go for more than 26 seconds, that's a good idea too. Um, so sometimes we pray the prayer word for word the way Jesus gave it to us. Um, I thought it'd be really cool to, to, to try to look it up in Aramaic. And, I, and I, so on Spotify, I, I, I found several um, Lord's Prayer in Aramaic songs. But, and, and, I, and I had in mind that, that I'd play that for you kind of as a setting while we prayed the Lord's Prayer. But I realized that'd be terribly distracting. Aramaic is not a beautiful language. And, and their taste in music is not ours either. So it just wasn't going to work. So um, that, we're not doing that. But pray it word for word, English probably. Um, find a translation that, that works for you. And, uh, and pray, the, pray the prayer um, from memory if, or, or reading the words. But as you're working from memory or as you're reading the words, let the truth of those words just rise up from within your soul, um, not just out of your rote memory. A couple of interesting ways to, to use... The, the, that seven-point outline, uh, one is like as a paraphrase, and the other is just kind of to go freestyle. Um, paraphrase the Lord's Prayer into words that would be the way you would express it, um, kind of your own translation of the Lord's Prayer. Or if you want to really um, get creative, take that outline, that seven-point outline, and, and, uh, and just go freestyle. Uh, let... let each of those seven, let intimacy, let adoration prompt you, and then just go with it, and and just and just pray under that under that category. A um, couple of neat ways to to use the Lord's prayer, and then uh, another cool way that I'd recommend. And 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 please don't overwhelm yourself by trying all of these at, at the same time. But it's a cool idea to pray the Lord's prayer um, seven days a week. And you can break those seven parts of the prayer into the seven days. And, and on Monday, just really give a focus to praying about your intimacy with God and others. Our Father. And let those two words be your prayer and, and sit with that and soak in that for, for five or ten minutes. And uh, then on Tuesday, adoration. God, my holy, heavenly Father, King. But what else wells up in your heart in adoration for God? Just, just go with it. And go through the week, go through the seven days praying the Lord's Prayer in that kind of way. The point is, pray it. Um, pray the prayer. Um, Henry Ward Beecher uh, says this. It's at the bottom of your sheet, I think. He said, I used to think the Lord's Prayer was a short prayer, but as I live longer and see more of life, I begin to believe there's no such thing as getting through it. If a woman or a man in praying that prayer was stopped by every word until he had thoroughly prayed it, it would take a lifetime. So guys, you have a lifetime. Um, we don't know how long that's going to be, but you have a lifetime. Would, would you make praying the Lord's Prayer a, a hallmark of your lifetime? Um, I can guarantee you this. I can guarantee you this. And come get me at the end if this doesn't hold up true. But if you pray the Lord's Prayer from your gut, from your heart, on a regular frequent basis, through the course of your lifetime, you will like the fruit that comes of that. And you won't even know all the fruit that comes of, of that.
Okay, would you devote your lifetime to spreading your wings and hoisting your sails, as Corey Ten Boom said, and pray this prayer that Jesus gave us to pray. So that's a lifetime challenge that I'm giving you tonight. But it's also a, a right here, right now challenge. I just uh, want to invite us into uh, just a few minutes before we get back into singing songs. I just want to give us a few minutes to um, just to pray the prayer. To pray the prayer. Um, there, there it is. Straight out of Matthew 6. Straight off the lips of Jesus. Um, you got a couple of options you can you can look at too, the paraphrase or the freestyle. Uh, maybe you just want to walk through the seven outline points. But in a, just in a couple of minutes right now, let's just slow down, quiet down, give some space. Uh, feel free to walk outside if you need to walk outside or get on your knees if you need to get on your knees or go to the prayer room if you care to do that. But, uh, but let's just give it some time. Let's pray the prayer. Our Father, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Help us to pray this prayer tonight and for our lifetime. Thank you.